Hi there, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake-life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. 20 years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time and put our memories into a podcast you can listen to at home. We're going to get all our special guest friends like Sarah Chalk, John C. McGinley, Neil Flynn, Judy Reyes. Show creator Bill Lawrence, editors, writers, and even prop masters will tell us about what inspired the series and how we became a family. You can listen to the podcast Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to 100 Words or Less, the podcast about independent music. People who are involved in the punk and hardcore scene, who are attached to it, who have been influenced by it, who love it still after all of these years, or you're just getting into it. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. You've got 300 plus episodes to dive back into. Um, so, you know, just go ahead and take the next uh, year or so and uh, catch up. No, you don't need to do that. But what you do need to do is pay attention to today's guest. He is a close friend of mine and one of the sweetest dudes in the music industry. His name is Scott Lee. He has done a million different things. He's put on festivals. He runs companies. He manages bands. He is what I like to call a renaissance man within the music industry. And his experience uh, is, it's very unique from the perspective that he has dabbled in a lot of different things. And we address all of them in this podcast. So if you are a music industry professional or interested in the music industry, you have to listen to this episode and take notes because Scott throws some wisdom out there, throws some gems that I was like, oh yeah, I would have loved to have known that if I was 20 years old and just kind of starting off in this, this whole music biz. But uh, more on Scott in a moment. How are you? I hope you're doing well. I hope that uh, February, welcome February. How about January just completely didn't even exist in my mind. It was like, boom, all right, there we go. One month done out of this whole year. It's kind of crazy. I just, um, how fast the move, the world moves is sometimes, um, I, I don't know if I'm getting uh, more sensitive as I get older, where it's like, I, I recognize this rather than when I was younger, where it was like, oh man, the days seem to stretch out for years, you know? I don't know. It's just a weird thought, but you can always email the show, 100 words podcast at gmail.com. I love to hear from you. Love guest ideas, whatever else you would like to send in to the show, AKA me. I promise I uh, respond to uh, all of the emails in a somewhat timely manner. And, um, we have, uh, the, the show will be taking a little bit of a break towards the end of March, probably maybe like a two week break. I'll keep, I'll keep you posted, but, um, yeah, we'll, we gotta be switching servers and doing some, some sort of maintenance, on the podcast. So, uh, yeah, I'll keep you posted on that. Um, no, no worries. You'll be getting your episodes the moment that I am able to post that stuff. So, um, but I have some amazing conversations coming up. I'm really excited. I have, I have shows recorded for the next like two months. It's, it's great. So anyways, here's, here's Scott. I I don't, I don't want to belabor the point and go on because I know that some of you are just like, Hey, uh, every podcast host talks about their life. And, uh, you know, I just forward to the interview. So, if you do that, that's fine. I totally get it. Uh, but if you don't do that, then uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're friends. <laughs> All right. Here's Scott. I will talk to you uh, after the episode is over. I 
I, you know, so distinctly remember, you know, starting to work at Century Media Records. And I remember, if I'm not mistaken, I was trying to get Glass Casket on New England Metal and Hardcore Festival. And yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I, I, I know for a fact, like someone internally, whether it was uh, Steve Joe or somebody else, you know, gave me your email and was like, hey, reach out to this guy. He's the guy who, you know, is, is you know, co-owner of the festival and book stuff. And, you know, at that time I was, gosh, I don't know, like early twenties, like definitely in no authoritative position for having people being like, you know, kind to me from a music industry perspective, but you were just so gracious. So like, you know, not only like responded quick, but then also was just like, oh yeah, man, like, you know, we're thinking about that band. We're putting the short list or whatever. Like you were just, um, I don't know, you're just a real human and I didn't necessarily expect that per se, you know? Um, and I, I don't know if that's something that like you, no matter what of your sort of business dealings, like you've always kind of been that way, or is that something like, you know, as you've kind of aged within the context of the music industry, like you, you know, are, are just like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be kind of, you know, nice to everybody. Um, I don't know. What, what's your, what's your thought process on that? I try to be kind to everybody. Um, I mean, there's people that be like, no way, Scotty's a dick. That guy sucks. No way. That, you know, there's there's scenarios like, you know, I, I've i calmed down in my old age, but as people like meeting new people or people like, you know, bringing me stuff, I try to be kind to everybody, you know? I try to be like like how I want to be treated, you know? Like, you know, it's like, hey, how are you doing? Cool, nice to meet you. Steve Joe introduced me to you, you know what I mean? Like, you know, Steve's a great guy. Steve, I put him in very high regard to this day. He's a good friend of mine. And, like, he, you know, referenced him. It's like, hey, you know, Ray's a great guy. Ray Taken. Okay. And then I figured out that you were in a hardcore band Taken. I was like, hey, this is cool. You're a good guy. All right. So I just try, I try to treat everybody like I want to be treated, basically, sure. to this day. Sure. First um, time um, meeting people. Right. Then I could be announced. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, I, you know, and I'm sure you encountered this too, where, cause it, it does seem like there is a very, you know, old school and new school mentality of like getting business done. You have your people who, you know, are sort of a, a different generation than us that their automatic mode is to, you know, yell and be angry and thump and scream and stuff like that. I, I mean, I'm sure you encountered those people. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm partly those people a little bit, you know what I mean? To be honest with you, but it's like, I sit there and I'm like, there's a new way of doing things. It's just like, it's easier getting, you know, it, you know, it's easier getting like people talking to people and making them understand you. And like, instead of rah, 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 yelling at people, like that doesn't go over very well. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like, what, what, what's it, what's the sense of that? Why, why do all that? Why put that in perspective? Why, 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 why yell and scream at somebody to get your point across when you can just like, Hey man, this is what we want to do. This is how we want to do this. This is what we're trying to think. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but that's how this is, you know? Like, for example, you know, like, uh, you know, if you're trying to, you know, to explain something to somebody about a tour or explain somebody something about, you know, this is what we want to do, you know, this is, what, you know, doing a festival, I would argue with people many times about like slots and everything like that, where you're playing and everything like that. And people would get really upset about it. Like, Hey man, I'm sorry. That's the way it is. If you don't like it, don't play. That's and um, some people didn't play. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And like, it, it is what it is. You know. <laughs> yeah. No. For sure. For sure. 
um, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into the fest a little bit later, but, um, you know, kind of putting the focus on, on you, you know, I, I don't know where you come from or kind of, you know, your, your sort of like biographical origin story stuff. I'm going to presume that you were born and raised on the East coast. Like what was your family structure like as you were growing up? Um, my father, I, I grew up, uh, I was born in Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, my father was recreation director of Springfield, uh, Massachusetts. We, uh, we live in, uh, uh, Forest Park, uh, basically, which was, and my father's office was like five minute walk from our house. Um, we lived next to a place called Camp Seco, um, which had a pool and different like horses and all this, you know, cool stuff or, you know, it was like kind of like a Boy Scout camp, but not, um, and like a city, it was like a city camp. Okay. And then, and then we had Forest Park, which had like, lions and tigers and and uh, uh, bears and different like you know deer and like uh, we had a buffalo uh, and we had uh, a polar bear called snowball um, <laughs> so was this and, like a was that like a zoo it, it like yeah, or... it was a, it was a, yeah it was a fucking zoo perfect i'm sorry i, I should have said it. it was a zoo okay so my father really was zoo okay and there was a monkey house and my sis i had two i have two older sisters and they uh, my father used to let them name the monkey and um yeah and it, oh, it had an elephant um it, it was great and so it's from the ages of um three to seven when we moved we moved to westport connecticut i had a elephant at my birthday party so my father would bring the elephant up the street take a right and come to our house with an elephant for my birthday parties my friends would be like oh my god there's an elephant at your birthday party and like i'd go to all and i'm like yeah the elephant you know it's cool no worries about it it's great and like the, the elephant I, everybody get elephant rides and be awesome and um and i'd go to other kids birthday parties like where's the elephant why don't you have an animal here what's going <laughs> right. on what, you stuck. this is terrible you got a dumb clown oh my god junk and it was it, this like my, my sisters would name all the name all the animals like the legal names and everything once we get them and it was crazy. It was crazy. Uh, the elephant trainer, I believe, was uh, Spanish, and he trained the elephant in Spanish, and he was an alcoholic. My father tried to fire him, but he's like, good luck trying to find an elephant trainer that uh, speaks Spanish, because the elephant's trained in Spanish. Wow, so, that was like job security, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. A um, whole bunch of different things like that, like... Um, my father had a, uh, one night, uh, one of the uh, chimpanzees got free, uh, got, you know, uh, broke out and was running around the neighborhood and they had to, you know, find him and sedate him and stuff. And um, it was, his name was Jinx. And it, it's, it was like, it, it was, it was really crazy. It was a really crazy thing. And then uh, Snowball, this is, this is kind of a really sad story. Snowball, they, they had, she had a cake, like, she had a cage and it was it's a good sized cage. There's a polar bear in Western Massachusetts. I don't know. It's just, you know, people didn't know how to deal with that, I guess, too well. My father my father inherited this zoo. Part of his, his job was the zoo. So one day, Snowball, you know, some girl who was on drugs, muscling or something, reached in and tried to grab Snowball and pet Snowball. Well, Snowball grabbed her arm and started shredding it. And the one of the police shot snowball in the eye and took his eye out, took her eye out mm -hmm. and got the kid, got the girl free. If you can picture this, like this woman's like all messed up on drugs and just like, I want to pet the bear. 
and puts her arm in there and like the polar bear's just like, I'm hungry. I'm going to shred this. Yeah. And starts ripping her arm off. Cop comes, cop comes like, stop, stop, bang. Shoots the polar bear in the eye. Well, the polar bear lived. And wow. And sedated it. And yeah, for years on end. And um, it had one eye polar bear. And uh, so the town of Springfield rallied so much around Snowball that, and like, we're, we're upset with this girl and her family that the family moved out of town. Like, get out of here. We don't want you here. You're fucking with our snow, or you're fucking with our polar bear. Leave right. alone. You know? And my father also did a lot of great things in, um, you know, City of Springfield. He, like, he, you know, cre- uh, he created, like, hockey rinks and different parks and different things and, like, did a lot of work in, you know, charities and everything like that. And, like, he, one of the big things he did was, um, he, before it was a Springfield, uh, Recreation Department. He worked in Ludlow, Mass, and he helped build a, 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 a mini soccer stadium in Ludlow. I think it's I, I don't remember what it's called, but he he would bring people, different teams from all over the world to play Ludlow teams in soccer and stuff. Like Ludlow's a big Portuguese area, and um, yeah, different teams would come over and people would stay at their houses, and like he just brought in different people all over the world to play in this place, you know, and help do that, you know. He ran a boys club. He ran the boys club. He's just involved with lots of things, and like, I think I get a lot of my whole everything that I am doing. Like, you know, I started doing shows when I was 15 years old with you know punk rock and hardcore shows, and working with different metal and glam rock bands and my friends' bands, and doing this and doing that, and started loading and moving their gear and helping them out, and just like wanted to hang out and you know, do this, do that, and, like, then just started doing things for my, you know, then started bringing my friends to shows and doing this, and got involved with clubs, and, you know, people like, well, you can help book shows, and, you know, do this, and then I met this guy named John Peters, and he's like, hey, you can book shows with us, I think this would be cool, and I'm like, yeah, all right, cool, let's do it, you know, and, like, I started booking, like, local shows, local metal and hardcore shows, and they were doing really well, and just promoting and like he's like okay cool you can start doing national shows now started doing that and he's just like oh this is good what do you think and we just started working together and then he made and then he's like he's like hey i'm going to start this company called and he's like what do you think of the name mass concerts and i'm like that's sick that's great we're cool so he started this whole company started doing like different different styles of shows at this place called pearl street in northampton we did the room uh small room held 350 people the um, the upstairs room holds 750 people, and we do, you know, we do like ska shows, world beat music, all any metal, hardcore, anything you could think of. We were doing Lady Smith, Black Lombardo one night, Perry Farrell, and I forgot his band after uh, James Dixon. What was it called? What's the other band he was in well, after James Dixon? Well, he was in Porno for Pyros too, but oh, yeah, Porno for Pyros. Okay, but at that point, yeah, so we do like Lady, Lady Smith, Black Lombardo one night. Corner for Pyros the next night, uh, you know, uh, so, uh, some blues person the next night, and then, oh, Robert Cray or whatever. And, like, then we do, like, Carcass the next night. You know what I mean? It was just so, you know, eclectic in different worlds and everything like that. And I learned how to, like, experience different people, different cultures, all through just working at this venue and working with John and just, like, learning all this stuff. And it was really cool. And, like, my whole background with my family, you know, uh, my father and like how he, he just like was always like bringing different people around us and different things. And it was, 
it was really cool. It just like opened my eyes. Like he always taught me just be friendly to people and be open to people. You know what I mean? Don't take any shit, but just, you know, look and expand your horizons in every which way, shape or form. I mean, I don't know. I went to, you know, I didn't go, I tried to go to college. It didn't really work out for me because it was boring and I didn't like people there. And like, sure. I just, just, like, it just sucked. <laughs> I hated school. <laughs> my, my girlfriend got me through high school. I graduated high school. I graduated from Putnam Vocational Technical High School with a sixth grade education. Um, and the way I know that is because when I went for my college prep, the woman's like, Sir, you have a sixth grade education. Did you graduate high school? Are you sure? Like, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I just didn't learn anything. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't, just didn't care. I wanted to, you know, hang out with my friends. Today's episode is brought to you by E1 Heavy, which is a awesome record label, and they are releasing a record from a band called Great American Ghost, called Power Through Terror, on February fourteenth. This band knocked my socks off. I was aware of them. They kicked around the Boston area. I've heard their name mentioned a couple of times, but dude, this is so, so good. So I'm going to play you a little bit of their track called Altar of Snakes. think kills right so go visit them on facebook find their music pre-order it it comes out february 14th on e1 heavy a spectacular record label run by some very very good people who have good ears and will putney recorded this thing he makes it sound huge so there you go thank you great american ghost and thank you e1 heavy the story that you're narrating there it definitely sounds like you know the idea of community um, because, you know, clearly what your father was doing was, um, you know, he was invested in the communities that he was in and, you know, building these programs. And like you said, you know, sports and finding all these ways. And you obviously found your community within the context of, you know, promoting shows and independent music and stuff like that. So that, oh, yeah. yeah, that was your, yeah, exactly. you, you just, all you did was take the idea of what your father did and then just apply it to a different world. 100%, 100%. Um, my mother on the other hand, you know, she was great. She's awesome. Um, if you know who I am or whatever, you know that I'm a big man. And my mother was a uh, Italian woman. My grandmother was straight off the boat from Italy with my grandfather. Um, I've eaten a lot of pasta in my life. Every meal had pasta. Whether it was Christmas, Thanksgiving, there was pasta. I I I, I am a port, I was a portly child, and like because of my mother, like pasta, vizul, everything, everything to, and we ate well in our house. You know. And, um, you know, I think that's what my mom always taught me, like, she, my mom taught me how to cook. And my wife to this day is like, you're a better cook than I am because of your mother. <laughs> so I got different things from them, you know what I mean? And like different whole, you know, experiences from everybody, from everything with my, both my parents and my upbringing and everything. We went from Springfield, we went from uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, and then my father got a, a new job in Westport, Connecticut, and we... Uh, we lived in Longshore Country Club, um, which was down, the, there was a marina down the street and it was on a complex and it was, it was very uh, wealthy area. If you know what Westport, Connecticut is. Uh, Paul Newman lived like probably a half a mile down the road. Jim McKay lived uh, from uh, CBS Sports, lived a uh, little, say four or five blocks away from us. It was it was very very wealthy area you know it's you know people just commute into New York City you know and um, 
that was that was like it, it, that's where like from the ages of seven to like twelve I lived there and you know it was uh it was very very it was it was it was an interesting you know way of living I would go down the street and go to the marina and go out on the boats with uh, the lobster guys and help them pull traps and stuff like that and like come home and and my mom be like where were you I'm like oh, I got free lobster this is great right? <laughs> all right cool like. It was an it was an interesting childhood, and and then we moved to West Hartford, Connecticut, and I went from you know ritzy type of thing to going to school basically in Hartford, Connecticut, and like you know living down by uh, in West Hartford by the border of Hartford. And it was a different, you know, I learned things there very quickly. You know, it's like it wasn't it was it wasn't like as rough as you think like rough rough but it was it was a different world you know what i mean it would learn you learn i learned how to adapt very quickly sure and then went to then we moved back to springfield and you know that's where i finished growing up and becoming a hooligan and trying not to get too much trouble right. <laughs> totally totally I, I went to my first concert in new haven connecticut my first real real concert and um i went with a Oscar, I forgot Oscar's last name is my neighbor across the street, but he turned me on to a lot of the heavy metal stuff. And we used to go to shows at um, this place in West Hartford called the Agora Ballroom. And uh, but we, my first concert was in New Haven, and the opening act was Anthrax, and they were on their Fistful of Metal tour. And, and then it was Wasp, Black Sabbath, and was the headliner. And it was like I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. I think I was thirteen maybe a little bit, I don't remember, but that was like, I like, that was my turning point. I'm like, this is crazy. I love this. And then I, you know, we started going to shows of the Agora, which was like a thousand capacity room. And, and you know, we saw different bands and, you know, I was, I, I, I've never seen Metallica. I fucking never seen Metallica. I went to go see Metallica at this place and it was sold out. And then went another time to go see Metallica, car broke down. Never seen Metallica. I've seen every other fucking metal band in the world. I've never seen Metallica. I don't want to see him now, just because of principle. Don't want to see him. So this guy, Oscar, just turned me on to different music in Hartford, and then I just carried it over and started meeting friends in the Springfield area and, you know, went from there and got involved with, like, metal and hardcore bands and, you know, death metal. I got introduced to death metal, which was an incredible thing, and, like, learned all about, like, you know, like, black metal and everything and just like you know just seeing different and then you know got turned into the clubs and that's my whole story and that's where i started from basically sure sure um and you know once you started to you know kind of go to more independent minded shows you know the diy stuff like the shows you were putting on and everything like that were you immediately drawn to kind of the the business of it because like you said you know there are you know, when you're in high school and you're kind of, you know, learning these things that you don't think have any application to your real life, you know, like math or whatever, you know, um, but clearly you were doing that as you were promoting shows where it's like, okay, I need to sell a hundred tickets in order to make the money back and stuff like that. Um, you know, did you, uh, did you immediately take to the business side of things? Well, what it was, was I was doing, trying to do shows and just, I learned it from just like, okay, here, I got $350 I made off the show that I charged $5 ahead. Okay, cool. Here's here you go. Here I would just give people the money, you know, give bands money, my friends money, or just and then then I learned, you know, working clubs. Okay, cool. How to get people to prom- promote, you know, 
and like then I would bring in other bands from outside and like yo we need this much money to play and like yeah you, you just adapt like I just I very much adapted to it and try to figure you know things out and like you know and like thank God for calculators and thank God because like because it's like the math would come easy for me it was more or less the you know and like back in those days there was no email you know we just called each other you know it's like you know what I'm talking about right you know you you know, there was no GPS, there was no nothing. You you had maps, you had all this stuff, and you're just calling people, calling promoters. Put, I would put my phone number on flyers, and like, it was just part of the whole game. And like, but to the business side of it, I would just adapt to everything and just like, all right, you know, here it is. You know, I need to make this much money. Okay, we need to get this many people in. I would, you know, we would fire all these different concerts, malls, do whatever we had to do, and but. It was it like it was a community of people that got involved with doing it because they wanted to see more shows and more people come to the shows. You know, what I mean, more people come to the shows, bigger shows, more bands come from outside of the area. You know, and that's how that basically worked. But adapting to the business, I kind of had to. And John Peters taught me a lot about the business and a lot about everything with the whole scenario of it and like breaking down sheets and doing this and like offer sheets and how this would work and how this and that and the other thing. And another woman taught me a lot about the business, a woman named Gina Magliosi, who worked with John. And she, you know, she taught me a bunch of stuff and how everything worked. And and then you, you just adapt to it after years and years of doing it, you know? So, sure. yeah, I, I, did I have to like figure it out real quick? Yeah, I did. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. What? Just, not, not to uh, you know embarrass you from this perspective, but I, I just always know that people have like one or two stories of them, you know, messing something up or or having a learning moment. Like you know, a quick example for me, it's like I remember uh, you know getting paid at Chain Reaction, and I was leaving the you know I got the envelope of money, and then I was leaving, and the promoter was like, always count the money in front of the promoter because the moment that you leave the room, you know, it's my word versus yours. And obviously my word is, is way more important. Um, so anyways, do you have like a, you know, a moment or two like that earlier on in your career where you were like, Oh, I, I didn't think about that. Um, advancing with different people. I would, I would screw up all the time. Um, I would forget things like I wouldn't write things down or whatever. Like, man, like, so I would do production for all these shows at Pearl street. And I'm like, and the, you know, for uh, bands, the blues bands, blues bands do not perform until you pay them. So they will not go on stage until they get paid in full, bottom line. So I, you know, it's like, okay, cool. Hey, uh, you know, like, um, so I forgot the guy's name. I can't remember his name. Jesus Christ. Don't worry about it. <laughs> One dude comes up, he's like, uh, we advanced the show two weeks before. He's like, yep, I need to get paid in full before I go on. Well, to do that, the guy was getting like 3000 bucks, right? So to do that, you have to, you don't have 3000 extra 3000 bucks on, on hand right then and there. I mean, that sounds like a lot. It was a downstairs show. So we got to put it aside, go to the bank the day before. And this was on a Saturday, yada, yada. So we got everything. The guy was like, hey, um, uh, I'm going to go on. You got to pay me. He's like, oh, yeah. Um, fuck and i forgot and he's like well you gotta go go so i had to go pull the bar do all this stuff i'm like here man he like i was rolling quarters <laughs> i mean so it, you know there's like 150 people there you know what i mean and like we're just waiting for people and like 
I'm like, do I go to the ATM? What do I do here? And the guy's like, not going to play till you get my money. I'm just telling you straight up. I'm, I don't care. And I'm like, all right, that's fair enough. This is my bad, my mistake. And we didn't send, and like, they want cash. They don't want check. They don't want anything. They want cash. Because so many people fucked them over. Sure. You know? And, and uh, that was kind of embarrassing because it, like, it delayed the show for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, that's one thing. Um, sure. No, I just, like I said, like I said, it, it's just one of those things where it's like when you, it, it seems like common knowledge, like once it gets shared with you, but prior to that, like, you know, you, you don't know, like you're just like figuring it out as you go. And so that's the only reason I, I mentioned oh. that sort of stuff. Oh, this business is so much figure out how you go. Oh my God. It's like, you know, it's, it, this is like, you know, I didn't go to college, but I did go to college. I, it's called, you know, I, it's called, I work in clubs and in, you know, in the music industry, you know what I mean? And like met people and like did things like, you know, it's like, if I didn't have, you know, if I didn't have that know-how, I wouldn't have learned what I learned today. You know, like I learned more, I learned more in my first three years in this music business than I did in high school, you know? Right. And that's the bottom line. It's the truth. Like yeah. I, because I wanted to learn. Right. I don't want, I didn't want to learn in high school. I didn't want to do anything, but, you know, hang out with my friends and, you know, be an asshole. And like, you know, I wanted to learn this. I saw this as a career and I saw this as something I wanted to do. And like, I saw how, I think I saw how it related to what my father did, you know? And like, and like, I don't know, it's just, it all worked out very well. And it's just like, this is what we have to do. We have to work hard to do this. We have to make a difference with this. We have to put this in perspective with you have to go further than everybody else. We have to be nicer to all these bands. We have to be a band friendly company this is how this works, you know, go the extra mile. Don't rip anybody off. Don't try to rip anybody off. If anybody's questioning, you know, we, it, it, that's where the whole mentality came from. I think more or less where it's like, you know, that in like, you do make mistakes in your way. You do make this, that, and the other thing. We, I mean, here's a good one. Um, my friend, uh, uh, John, uh, John had this guy, Brad Palkovich working with us and Brad, Brad went to UMass. But we, I forgot what show it was. It was a hip hop show. Oh my God. I want to say Tribe Called Quest. It might have been, been De La Soul, one of those two. They were looking for a merch person to sell and for them. And I was like, he got his friend to sell. And there's a big beef between the tour manager and this kid who was selling and he was ripping them off, stealing this, that, and the other thing, all this shit. And like, we're all sitting there like this dude was getting real mad. He's about to fight everybody and like floor manager. And this kid was like, and it was a course of like, it was like, uh, he said there was a hundred dollars missing and it was 10% merch cut. We're not paying this merch cut or the $120 missing or something like that. This, that, and the other thing. And I'm sitting there going like this going, are you talking about the hundred dollars right now that you're missing $120 you're missing from your merch? And he's like, yeah, fuck that motherfucker. I'm going to fuck him up. I'm gonna and this kid's just sitting there like, hell, I'm going to steal your money. And I'm like, hey, man, how about we just wave the merch cut and give you 20 bucks? Is that cool? Yeah, that'll deal. I'm like, okay, you could have just said you didn't want to pay your merch cut. That would have been fine. We would have probably just said, okay, cool. We The, the show was, you know, the show did well. I don't remember the ratio of money it was, but it was just like, he was just being like a, he's just trying to be a bully in the scenario. You know what I mean? And like, it was like a learning curve there ever since then. I was just like, man, merch cuts are crazy. People get so crazy over the merch percentage. You know what I mean? And like, I'm like, why did, like, 
how did that whole thing come about? Like, why would, like, why do people get so crazy about it? It's just part of the business. You know, it's like, well, do you take, and then one time we did a show with uh, uh, Jawbox, and, you know, it's in the deal, 10% of merch cut. And uh, I forgot her name, the, the bass player woman. She's very kind. And uh, she said, uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's 10% merch cut. She's like, well, do we take 10% of your bar? I'm like, that's a good answer. No. <laughs> yeah, you're like, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, I started laughing like that because nobody's ever said that to me. And I'm like, I'm like yeah. So I, I'm like, John's like, yeah, just let it go. It doesn't really matter. They're punk rock. It's, it's okay. You know what I mean? I'm like, cool. I'm like, but ah. it's, it's, that was like, those are like, you just learn how to adapt to situations. You know what I mean? I mean, I've dealt with the nicest, kindest people in the world that happen to be the scariest looking people in the world at the same time. You know what I mean? It's just like, you, you know, and then you deal with the nicest, kindest music people and like, and then the biggest dicks at the same time. You know what I mean? You like band merch? You need to go to rockabilia.com and use this code PC100Words. Now, Valentine's Day is like a week away, so you can buy your significant other the coolest band merch around and get 15% off by using that code PC100Words. They have everything from hoodies to long sleeves, t-shirts, scarves, action figures, posters, you name it, they have it. Fast shipments, great customer service, independently owned. Rockabilia is my favorite merch company around and they just, they get it and it's all officially licensed stuff. So you're getting high quality, non-bootleg materials. The band gets paid. Everybody walks away an absolute winner. And I just can't espouse how much I love Rockabilia because they are the realest of the real. It's owned, independently owned and operated. Hardcore kids work there. It's just, it, it's a great feeling to be able to support small businesses and be able to get an amazing product in return. So like I said, go to rockabilia.com, do your shopping, use the code PC100Words. It gives this particular show some credit, some kickbacks, and I appreciate that. So rockabilia.com, buy your band merch there. I, 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 there were so many, I met so many nice people in, in the business and so many cool people and so many people that like get, get it and stuff. But like, I just feel like so many people are just like jaded. They get so jaded from this, from the business end of it. So they cut bad deals. They've done bad things. They didn't have the right lawyer. They didn't have the right scenario. They, they feel like, you know, they didn't, they, they trusted the wrong people. They just, you know, and then they get jaded from it, but they don't know anything else afterwards. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't expand their whole horizons. They don't do anything more. And then they become assholes. That's one reason, you know, um, so going, taking that, putting that backwards, going to, you know, learning the business and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I had to adapt in every part of this business. You have to learn things and you have to put it in perspective of like, here, you're, you know, everything spreadsheets, everything's down to the dollar, everything's this, everything's that, you know, putting together budgets, trying to make, trying to stick to the budgets, estimate, if this, that, the other thing, you know, how much, you know, what growth have we done? How, how much are we selling in this market? How much are we selling in that market? How many records have we sold to this? You know, it's all the business. It's all business. It's all about the money. It's all about the, the financials. It comes to it. So you have to learn it. If you don't learn it, then you're just going to get squashed and you're going to get a jaded prick. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> well, to, to, to that point, um, you know, you 
a person who's been involved for many, many years with, with music. And, you know, you've done a lot of different things from obviously show promoter and then, you know, you know, running sound rank or like, but it's all obviously attached to music. Um, why are you not jaded? Like you probably had more than one opportunity to just like turn the corner and be like, dude, I, you know, I, I don't need this anymore. I don't want this anymore. I need to move on or whatever. Um, but why, I guess, why have you not turned that corner and become the jaded asshole? I have, I have a little bit in here and there. You know what I mean? I can't, I'm not going to lie. I think, I think one of my whole scenarios was like getting, moving on from uh, mass concerts. And, uh, you know, and uh, when I moved from uh, Western Mass to Portland, Oregon, and, and I, I kind of got a breath of fresh air out there, if that makes sense. Um, I think I had to make that decision for myself. Like, yeah, um, Soundrick was doing, Soundrick, was doing good. Um, I can. I need a breath of fresh air. I need to get change my whole lifestyle. I need to change everything. Uh, I want to quit smoking. I was smoking two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. Um, it was terrible. Um, I, yeah. Um, my uh, my mom recently was passed away. You know, and I was just like, okay, um, I'm just gonna make this move. And I think that helped me not be jaded not in like and i think when people get like when people get into a rut and they're like what am i going to do do something i mean i moved across country at, at 44 years old you know in the in the music industry you know and like and people wanted me to come work for them and do this and do the whole thing and manage bands and you know be a difference and it was good for sound because i was like on the west coast and yada 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 um, but like, I learned, like, I think that's what helped me not be jaded. Um, before that I was very jaded. I was very like, you know, stuck in my way, stuck in this, smoking cigarettes, um, and just, just being a little brash. And I caught myself doing that. And I felt like, all right, I gotta. Yeah. Change this up. Yeah. yeah. An opportunity came to me and I, and I took it. And I think if you're stuck in a rut, in any business or anything in life and you need to make a change as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, you know, or hurt yourself or hurt, you know, and you're not doing things stupidly, you know, financially or whatever, you should do it. You know, you should make that change. That's what helps you help me be jaded. Also the fact that like, I want to start different things that open my mind to um, different ways, different businesses and different things and try to do different things and try this and try that you know it's like you know i have a uh i i you know i put a pic i posted a picture of uh i forgot uh, like a, a shirt or something like that and a friend of mine commented on it i wonder how many revenue streams scott lee has on this picture and uh i was like that's kind of funny but yeah. cool at the same time and it's just like like i don't i i mean i felt like it felt made me feel good because i have like I want to do entrepreneurial shit where it's like, yo, I want to be able to do, have different businesses, have different things going on and all work in one thing where I can call different people. Like my whole, my whole goal was when I worked for mass concerts was like, okay, I'm going to tour comes up. I need to have a band on that tour as a management sign. The, I need to get that sound ranked, that tour sound ranked for the VIP. Third, I need to have, <clears throat> I need to get the show either at the Palladium or in Hartford. So I got to do it. It's got to be a triple threat there. I got to get those three things. You know what I mean? And, you know, now it's just like, I want, you know, that's, it's, 
that was the way I'm thinking. You know, I want to have more more ways of doing this. You know, it's just like, and it's cool because it's music, and I'm it's my career, it's my my passion. Like, I, I tell people this all the time. It's like people ask me, like, were you ever in a band? We have this. Did you ever play music? I'm like, no, man, I can't even jerk off in time. There's no way I would ever be in a band. I can't. I have stage fright. I couldn't do this. I hate, I hate crowds. I hate, you know, I couldn't, I could never be a, a singer in a band. Will Putney the other day was like, why aren't you a singer in a band? I'd, be, I'd play a band with you. I'd be in a band with you. And I'm like, all right, Will, I'll be in a band with you, but I'm, we're never playing out. I'll be the vocalist and never play. He's like, that's fine. I go, okay, cool. But I'll never play in front of a crowd. And like nobody can ever hear the music though, because I don't want anybody. Hear, hear anybody <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, you know, it's like that. But got it. Like, I, I, I don't even know where I was going with it. No, 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 that, that, no, that, no, that, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I wanted to hone in on the, um, you know, New England Metal and Hardcore Festival just because that was such an interesting, um, event not only because, you know, each year it got, you know, it, it started from very, you know, humble beginnings. And like you said, you know, the idea of just being able to build a community and stuff like that, um, you know, but by the time that it was whatever, early, early 2000s, like, you know, it was such a huge thing and everybody came out to it, you know, bands were excited to play it. Um, you know, I, I, I'm going to presume that it was, you know, very exciting up to a point, And then that at that point, that's when it became, you know, untenable or super stressful for you. Um, you know, kind of walk me through your your headspace as that was all kind of going on. Headspace. Uh, 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 do you want me to start from the beginning? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah you OK. Can. Uh, I worked with Shadow Fall um, back in the day. I put out the first record. And we went and I sold my soul and I got them on the Milwaukee Metal Fest. And they were the first band on one of the side stages. Um, and it was, we, me and Matt Bashan were like hustling and we went down to the vending area and saw, you know, all the vendors there. And like, and that's, I think I met Steve Joe there for the first time. That's, that might've been true. Um, but, uh, yeah, we were just walking around and doing this stuff and, and seeing this, the bad mood and people were giving out the shadows fall first, you know, somberized this guy's CD, giving it out and we're hanging out we're talking, we're trying to talk to people. People didn't want to deal with us. People didn't want to talk to us. And it was just such a bad fucking vibe. And like, it was just junk. It was like, I felt like, I don't know. So Matt Bashan from Shadow Talk, like, you need to do one of these. This would be great. Blah, blah, blah. You can do this. You know, I was like, you can do it. You know, go. You, you know, look at the formula they have. So I took their formula and I brought it back, you know, to Massachusetts. And um, we did a bunch of festivals before that called, we did a festival, Matt Pike, myself, and did a festival called the Really Loud Music Festival because there was another festival in Northampton called the Loud Music Festival. But we did this festival called the Really Loud Music Festival. <laughs> and and because these, you know, it was indie rock, the real, uh, the loud music festival, like indie rock, weirdo, jammy type thing. And the people that ran it were just kind of like, you know, I don't know. I don't want to talk shit. Um, so I went to John Peters and Matt Pike and I'm like, Matt, you can you know, you can do this too, because I know you're booking with Converge, and you're doing all the stuff, and this is the beginning of his career too, and he was, that's a good friend of mine, da, 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 and we're trying to do all this stuff, and 
I think Mike Mannix might have been involved. I don't remember. I don't remember. Um, but so, you know, we did this festival and like first day we did like, you know, we had like, uh, I think it was um, the business war zone, um, shut down, uh, some, a bunch of bands. And then, and then like the, uh, the next day it was, and the next day we had like a bunch of uh, pop punk and punk rock bands downstairs and the upstairs we had, it was a converged dead guy, cold ass. Um, Shadowfall, Hatebreed, I like Bob, I, 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 or Isis. I, it was just Aaron Turner's first day. It was just crazy. I can't remember the whole thing. And then the next day we had uh, Madball and, and Aftershock and everything. And then that was like a matinee show. And at night we did Mephiscopheles and, uh, you know, like uh, uh, Scooby. I don't remember the whole lineup, to be honest with you. But the whole festival fucking sold out. It was great. So I had, like, an idea of how the festival went and, like, in my mind. And then I took what they took, you know, when I went to Milwaukee. And then went to um, John Peters came and said, hey, I'm going to be doing this. You know, got this venue called the Palladium. And we went upstairs and said, yeah, this is the foyer. They have a dance club here. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is not a dance club. This is terrible. That's terrible. What do you mean? I go, this is a second stage. This is a stage where we can develop bands and do things with it. So, and he's like, and then we went downstairs, and his first show he did there uh, was uh, uh, Limp Bizkit with Clutch and Seven Dust, and I think Stain was supposed to open up. I don't remember if they did or not. Anyways, and then that was the first show he did there, and like he showed me the room, showed me everything, and I'm like, we can build this out and do this. So the second stage, so we built the second stage in there. And that's when, and I was like, John, I want to do this Metal Fest thing. He's like, okay, what are you thinking? So we put the whole festival together and, um, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was awesome. It was, you know, we were like, how do we do this? What are we thinking? We're like, I don't know, I took everything that I saw from, uh, you know, Milwaukee and what we did was really loud and everything like that. We're going to do two stages, this and that. We're going to put it together. We have some, you know, people, advisors at the time because we didn't know what we're, you know, the fuck we're doing, to be honest with you, more or less, other than just the idea. And, you know, we're like, we had, um, we had, uh, the, you know, Man of War headlining this Sunday with Earth Crisis as direct support, which is kind of cool, you know, if you really think about it, you know what I mean? And, like, and like, but it was like we based it on like the whole era of what was coming about from the New England vibe as well, metal and hardcore. So bands like we would do shows all the time with like you know we had we had in tune come over and they and Hatebreed would open up or you know we you know we were doing different things mingling bills together. So that's where the vibe came from from New England metal and hardcore festival where it's just like. You know, you you had you know different bands and different styles, metal bands playing with hardcore bands and metalcore bands, and you know this, that, and the other thing. Just put it in a big old pot and you know start from there. And that's how that worked. And like just putting it together, you know, it's like yeah, the stadium only holds 2,300 people, you know, and we were we people wanted to play the festival so much. It was great and like. We put it all together and do this and do that. Like Guar would, I think Guar headlined the most ever of the festival, like three or four times, three or four times. But 
like the experience alone, just putting that together, you know, the first four or five years, John and I worked hand in hand. And then I basically, you know, we worked, we took it from there and just worked on it. You know, I worked on it more and more and like, and like, you know, just trying to put together the formula and doing things and working. I would always bring in other people to help advise and talk about it and stuff because, you know, just thinking about how the bill or how the day would go and everything, just like, it, it's like, it, it, seeing who was available, it was, it, it was definitely like a scenario like, you know, okay, cool, we're going to fly over with sugar. I don't know if they'll do it. They're going to do it. This is great. Right. 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 Cool. Yeah. Fantastic. Woo. So we're going to have a sugar play. This is great. All right. They're going to help on it. And, you know, it's like doing, you know, I, I mean, some of my favorite bills were like, you know, 2013, we did suicide penalty and sick of it all, you know, with DRI and like, and oh, by the way, job for a cowboy play with foundation and, and trapped under ice, you know, it's just like mixing the bills and mixing the whole thing together was just, it, it, that's what it was. That's what the whole thing came about. You know what I mean? Soundrink.com is the place that you should visit for all of your favorite tours and more specifically, the awesome VIP ticket packages that they put together. So you've probably been to a show or you've seen this advertised out there where it's like, hey, you know, kick in a couple extra bucks and you get something special, whether it's like a VIP poster or access to the venue early, we're able to hang out with the band. A lot of these companies don't know what they're doing. They just standardize it. They don't work with the bands. They just kind of throw stuff out there. And frankly, it kind of feels like a money grab. Soundrink is the exact opposite. They are making sure that the bands are giving their fans the most true-to-life experience possible, something that is very special and unique. They work with the bands and management to be able to come up with these awesome, awesome experiences or pieces of merch or limited edition stuff that you cannot get anywhere else. Like I know the Thrice Tour that's out right now, they have an amazing silk-screened poster that is only available through soundrink.com if you buy tickets there. And they have so many other awesome experiences that you need to check out on there. Visit soundrink.com, find your local venue, find your favorite tour. It's coming through, get that VIP package, and you know you will have a spectacular time. So thank you, Soundrink. Now go to the show. In a world where everyone is confined to their homes... Society begins its largest bin watch to date. In the hallowed library of Hulu, or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade, is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions. Hi, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. In 2001, we starred in Scrubs, a sitcom that revealed a glimpse of what it was like to survive a medical internship. As Turk and JD, we explored guy love. Nearly 20 years later, a lot has changed. We're not supermen, but we're still best friends. Eh. Given the mandatory lockdown, there's no better time to relive the series that brought us together in the first place. And we're doing it with a podcast. That's right, people. We're going to bring friends and crew members and fellow cast members and writers. And and guess what? We're going to even invite some of you to call into the podcast and ask all the questions you want of the entire Sacred Heart staff. Join us for Fake Doctors, Real Friends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And it, and it, it was funny too, because the, the thing that I noticed is that there was always this, this, uh, underlying tension and not in a bad way of where the two scenes wanted to show each other what each other was about. Like, you know, your, your metal people who, you know, had very limited experience with hardcore stuff would be like, Oh yeah. Like maybe as I'm walking by the second stage or whatever, I'm seeing these bands and you know, it, it, it felt like, <laughs> and this was completely unspoken, but it, it definitely felt like a competition in a way. And again, that sort of healthy competition where it's like, I, I so distinctly remember, uh, I want to say it was, you know, converge in 2002 or whatever. It's like, you know, they played the main stage and, you know, Jake came out and was just like, you know, Hey, we're converge. Fuck you. And he started to play. 100%. Yeah. And I just, I, I, that, that's a very difficult, uh, line to balance. And I think like to your point, that's what you were trying to create. I was trying, I, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I just wanted to put metal and hardcore together. And I think the new England vibe where it's like, I think it, it like converge saying, you know, we're converged. Fuck you. Like that's, you know, it, it's like, there were so many different like scenarios like, like that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like, uh, it was just, it was, I don't know. It that we we were really big on vibe and we're very big big on you know scenarios of like i wanted to put hard scary hardcore bands upstairs and watch that room get packed out you know what i mean and i wanted to see how you know and what and people have fun you know what i mean it was a very you know very very you know i don't want to say violent i i i mean it was i don't want to say scary but it just it was fun. You know what I mean? A lot of people like, I don't know if you, you if you remember, uh, I don't know if you know, uh, Rev, uh, he runs a website called return to the pit. Oh, and sure. Yeah. I know that website. He's got some incredible photos of just different things. He posts them all the time. And like, and it makes me go, damn, that was sick. That was awesome. We nailed it on that one. Good job. You know, it's like, and it was just like, just what, like, I, I mean, you know, watching, uh, watching different sets up there, like that room was made for a hardcore room. That's a hardcore, you know, incendiary. Watching incendiary up there, you know, you know, uh, last last time they played the festival was incredible to me. They, they headlined one year. I was just the, the second stage, and it's just like place went off. It was amazing, you know. It was like, and like I try. I also tried to do different things where I wanted to have bands upstairs that would that got bummed out that they weren't downstairs. I'm like, why are you bummed out? You know, it's like well we're playing the upstairs i'm like yeah so what it's gonna be fucking crazy it's gonna be bonkers you want that you want that and not at a time times like yo man scott you were right this was sick that was amazing i you know it's like you think you're gonna play in front of all these people downstairs where where it's great don't get me wrong but you know it's better to play five o'clock on a saturday upstairs than play sometimes play seven o'clock downstairs or six o'clock downstairs. You know what I mean? If that makes sense to you. Like, it's just the vibe and the, how the, and the craziness, it was just, you know, putting that, put my point is putting the bill together. I felt was kind of like an art form. If yeah. That makes sense. Oh dude. It, it, no, it totally is. Like, I mean, the years that I did sound inferior with Joey, it was like that, that was like what we labored over the most, you know, to, to your point. It's like, 
each festival, especially once you have gotten down the road of doing it a couple for a couple of years, it does create a vibe. And I think the good ones that will continue to last are the ones that really pay attention to it, to your point of just like, yes, the vibe and like you want the, the momentum to, you know, kind of crescendo. But in the middle of the day, you kind of want things to calm down a little bit and then it ramps up again. At the, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Um, I mean, yeah, we would. Do, I mean, there are. The year after we put out the Acacia Strain DVD, I had Acacia Strain play 6.30 on Saturday. And they had to play that because they sold out the stadium. And it was crazy. It was, I was just like, wow. This is almost as crazy as the DVD, <laughs> you know, and the DVD shoot. And it was, but they killed it. And that's their spot. They owned that spot, you know. And like, and uh, I remember that, I remember that uh, DL broke his guitar. He swung, he tried to swing it around himself, and the snap uh, strap lock broke, and he smashed his guitar. And for some reason, he didn't have another guitar with him. So um, the rep for ESP was there, and he ran over to uh, Behemoth, was the headliner, or one of the headliners. He ran over to the guitar boat and told the guitar tech, "Give me that guitar." I basically because it was an ESP and they knew each other. And he's like, so he basically, I think he was playing Nurgle guitar <laughs> for the rest of the set. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, so, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Something to that story. I, I, I don't know if that's verbatim, but no. it's something like that. It's, it's, yeah. No, that's even the, if it's close, it's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, totally. Totally. Uh, the, the last two things I want to hit on was, uh, one, like, you know, you, you were mentioning it previously where, you know, you had to kind of disconnect after, you know, you, you went through everything with the, um, you know, moving to Portland and basically removing yourself from like the whole mass concert stuff and everything like that. Um, you know, did you, um, as you were doing that, you know, and as you made that decision to, you know, move to Portland and stuff like that, did you feel, um, any apprehension in regards to, cause the music industry is very, you know, uh, fickle and people that are your friends one day when you can't do anything for them, they're obviously not your friends anymore. Um, did you kind of experience any of that anxiousness or experience that in reality? In jealousy, people, people jealousy. Yes, I did. Uh, people, being uh, support, I had a lot more supportive than jealousy or apprehension. I don't know. I think one of the things, like I'm trying to say, like I think uh, you know, I left a bunch of, you know, I had to, you know, when I when I left Map Concerts, as you know, I left doing production. I left doing that. I still booked for a little while afterwards uh, when I moved to Portland because you can do that remotely. But I feel like there were some people that were bummed out that I left and bummed out like because oh what do I do now but I feel like majority of people were supportive um and like you know I think one, one of the things that you know trying to put in perspective is like I think they wanted better things for me but I also think that people want to you know listen you know people want to see people fail all the time you know what I mean it's kind of sad it sucks you know what I mean but at the end of the day it's like I don't know I think I feel like um I feel like I did the right move for me and I feel like I had more support than anybody getting bummed out on it. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah. Oh no, no, it does. It does. Yeah. I, I remember, I mean, people saying to me in certain respects where it's like, 
yeah, the moment that someone can't do anything for you in the entertainment industry, that's when they no longer become, you know, that's, that's when they're not your friend, <laughs> you know, like they're just like, oh yeah, they, they move on. Cause it's like, oh, Scott Lee can't help me anymore. So I don't need to talk to him anymore. That it, it, it's funny. It, okay. How about this? It's like, Hey, I can't get you on the guest list right now. Um, I don't really work. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I, I don't hear from most people anymore. You know what I mean? That's something that happens. Um, I did lose people that way because I couldn't help them that, but as far as the business goes and stuff like that, like if you're still in this business, I feel that you should always, and like, you make friends with people like you might not be doing something like, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, I, I, you know, it's like this agent, I don't talk to anymore because of the fact that I don't book shows, but you know, it's like, you know, if I see him at a show, like if I go to a show in New York and I say, Hey man, how you been? Cool. You, you know, what's up? You know, you should always keep your rapport and relationships fresh and never like never box anybody out. because You don't know you know, where people are going to end up. You may think this guy's a douchebag, but he might fall, you know, fall up. He might go being something, somebody else might, you know, he might figure out that he's an asshole and he's like, God, I was a dick. I got to be a better human and do this and work harder at something. And like, and somebody sees that and then all of a sudden they're, you know, they're working for this management company or they're working for this contract company or they're doing this or they started this business that you need to utilize never close anybody out it doesn't matter just be kind to everybody and just like hey you know when you see, keep relationships that's one thing i learned it's like you know it's like you can you can it's like don't fuck people over just you know if, like try not to you know what i mean it's like there's so many people out there just trying to fuck people and it's just like why it's so much energy don't use it be you know try to be proactive and try to move forward and do cool shit that's all I want to do. Do cool shit. Make you know, help develop bands, put out records, sell VIP tickets, you know, push merchandise, do everything like just push forward and do cool shit. Yeah. And make good friends. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. Cause I think at the core of it, a lot of what compels us to be involved with the independent music industry is like yes of course to make a living and you know like be comfortable from that perspective but a lot of it is is really being helpful you know like you you all of the businesses that you operate now you are attempting to be helpful and a service for these people from management to VIP ticketing to merch all of those things at the core of it you want to be helpful that's kind of your nature as a person you I, I I'm in the service business you know what I mean it's just like that's what that's what I do here. You know, it's like when you're sitting here looking at it, it's like you gotta, you know, somebody owes you money, you gotta be like, hey man, you gotta pay me. Can you, you know, just be kind about it. You know what I mean? Like, or you know, figure out a payment plan. Whatever. You don't gotta go at people like hard at it. Or hey man, just remind you, you owe me this money. You know what I mean? Whatever. You know, it's like you'll get it eventually. You'll figure it out. You know, with that person. You know, it's like. And sometimes you don't want to figure it out and you don't really need, is, is that, you know, is that hundred dollars worth dealing with this asshole ever again? You know what I mean? You, you just, then you tell other people, don't deal with them. You know, that guy owes me, he ripped me off or whatever. But, you know, the, the positive energy, you know, on the other side of it, like, you know, just keep working forward, moving forward, try to work with good people. That's, that's 100% the thing that I just want to work with good people. I don't want to work with, people that are that have that are negative energy negative vibe anything like that i don't want to work 
work with things like I just want people to, to you know, work hard. I just want to work with people that work hard um, and are positive. And that's it. You know, it's like, you know, I love talking to you, Ray. You know, me and you have really some great talks about things and try to do good business and try to do different things. And just, you know, it's just, you know, me and you don't talk, you know, some there'll be months where we don't talk, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, yeah, but we're still, when we do, we say, hey, how you been? What's going on? You know, I see you on Instagram. You went to Disney. That was great. Oh, my God. I love it. I love Disney. I took my wife there. She's never been. Blah, blah, blah. You know, but, you know, it's just like catching up. You know, I think that's that, you know, it's it's positive and like put, keeping people in your lives in this business. It's, 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 it's good. You know, it's a positive thing. You know, it's like I go out to California. I just went out to California and went to uh, San Diego and hung out with a all the people at STG. It's a great company, great bunch of people there. They've done it, you know, went and had a, had a party, went to their new office, which is in the airport, um, uh, uh, in an air, airplane hangar. Dave Shapiro did a great job. Tim Moore, it's great. It's awesome. Love it. You know, good people there. It's awesome. And then hung out with, you know, go to LA and you go, you know, talk, meet a bunch of pe- different people up there. It's just, I just want to be around good people and work with good people, you know, and that's, that's the whole name of the game. You know what I mean? Oh, no, absolutely. I totally get it. Um, and the, the, the last thing I want to hit on was the, um, you know, with the idea of you being as involved as you have been, you know, kind of going back to the jaded portion, but you know, you, you still genuinely like love music because you are, you know, managing bands, younger bands and like they're, Mm -hmm you only really invest time in these bands because you musically, you know, believe in what it is that they're doing. Um, what kind of keeps your, I guess, spark for the actual music, you know, not even so much the business, but like, you know, what, what kind of keeps you rooted to the fact that you can still be enthusiastic about new bands? Well, one thing, uh, like I, I try to keep younger people around me. Um, that's one thing. I mean, I'm 48 years old and I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a, 50 million in, you know, in six months, I feel, sure. but uh, I keep young people around me um, and just keep my ear to the ground. And just like, I, you know, it's like, I just started a record label called 1126 records. And like I signed different younger bands and developing them and trying to help them and work them into, you know, but the music, I, I gotta love the music to put out the money to put the record out to do this. I have to feel really, happy about it you know i just signed this band i just put up this band called vatican um you know they're down south they're a great band they sound like misery signals they sound like everything you know you know early 2000 hardcore it's it's metalcore it's great they're great people great bunch of guys and you know i i, I put out this band i am and they're from texas gotta love texas you know it's just like they're they're genuine people their music's awesome it's heavy it's raw it's in your face you know it's um you know i just i just signed this band graveview from florida they sound like they're you know they're they're they sound like you know uh european black metal with you know american death metal vibe and it's great and i love them great 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 people i just and like that's part of the whole scenario like i just want to work with good people and good music on the label side of it and and the management side of it, it's the same thing. Um, You know, developing, moving, moving up notches, growing, growing, growing. You know, it's like, you know, working with Kublai Khan, Current, Enterprise Earth, and like watching these bands grow. It's 
it's amazing, you know, and I get to work with good teams with these people, you know, it's awesome, you know, it's like, it's, tonight I'm going to go see Current as a sold out show in Hartford, Connecticut, you know, on their Christmas show, it's, it's, I love it, it's, you know, their music is stellar, they're, you know, helping these people move their business and move their career, it's, it's great for me, it's, it's exciting, it's, a, you know, it's like, you know, it keeps, it, it's like, you know, the guy with a sixth grade education can do this. You sure. Know, if you put your mind into it, you put your mind, your heart and soul into it, you work your ass off, you learn, you want to learn these things, you want to understand what this business, you know, and like, I, this, this business grows in different ways and, you know, in different technology and different everything. So you've got to kind of constantly learn and know what's going on. And, you know, I'm sorry, I'm just going on a fucking rant again. No, no, no. <laughs> well, no, but it, 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 it hits into the core component of, you know, these, these things keep you enthusiastic. You know, youth keeps you enthusiastic. Oh, yeah. New music keeps you enthusiastic. And, uh, you know, that's important because some people kind of shut off their, um, you know, their radar after a while. And uh, that obviously can turn you into a person that gets calcified in your, you know, music taste or whatever. So, yeah, I totally understand. You can't, you can't ever turn off that, you know, doing this business, whatever, you know, it's like, whether it's merchandise, ticketing, managing, putting out records, doing anything in this business, you've got to have your ear on the ground, you've got to understand what's, what's hot and what people are doing, what's, you know, what, and what's cool, what's not cool, you know what I mean, what's, and what, what the kids like these days, you know, it's like, you gotta, you gotta have that, you know, it's like, and when you're, an old buff like myself, you got to keep the younger people around you and talking and figuring it all out and remembering, you know, because a lot of music re- rejuvenates, you know what I mean? A lot of like, yo, you understand this firsthand. I bet you there's games, you know, like, you know, it's like, think about, uh, you know, like, uh, I'm trying to, uh, trying to think of a band right now, like Vatican, Vatican, Charles and Miller singer, you know, it's like, um, oh my God, I can't think of the band name. I'm shot right now. My dogs are barking. Don't worry um, about Knock loose. Knock loose. They resemble the warriors a little bit. You know what I mean? There's, there's that. Everything comes around full circle. You know what I mean? Like back in the day, like, you know, obituary, uh, Napalm Death, all those grindcore bands and death metal bands, Cannibal Corpse back in the day. And now there's bands that are coming out that are sounding like them. You know what I mean? It all comes back around, is what I'm saying, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're the, you, we're all standing on the shoulders of giants, the people that have come before us, and that's that's the only way that this thing kind of perpetuates. But yeah, I totally understand what I you're like saying. That, I like it, though. I like it a lot. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's, I think there's just so much, like, with metal and hardcore, it's just like, there's so many different things that, like, you know, that people look in, like, our ancestors of metal, like, it's like, in hardcore, it's like, People look up to that shit. It's great. I think that's part of the whole community of it as well, you know. Yeah. And like, I think it's you know it's it's awesome. It's awesome. No, I told I totally agree. Well, Scott, we've done it. Thank you very much for coming on and hanging out. This was super fun for me. Very cool. Thank you, Ray. I appreciate you. What a beautiful chat. Thank you, Scott, for sharing your experience and wisdom and life story because, uh, yeah, you are a unique individual and I love that about you. So Scott was great. And next week we have a discussion with the one and only Chelsea Wolf. I was so thrilled to have her on the show. We actually tried to schedule this maybe like three or four different times. 
Her home was affected by the wildfires in California last year in 2019. And just so much stuff was happening that, uh, yeah, we were able to postpone it and get it done. And she was just a great chat because uh, she's a very thoughtful individual. And uh, I'm excited to bring that to you next week. So until then, please be safe, everybody. Hey, Miles. Yes. It's Jack from work. Yes. Hi. Did you know that we host a daily news and culture podcast where people can I go to get caught up on know. what is yes. happening? Are you? Yes. Are you confused about that? You're talking about the Daily Zeitgeist. I just to show to that make we do sure you knew and that everybody knew that you could listen to us every day, twice a day, talk about what is happening and they could learn everything without feeling the life drain from their soul. Yeah, I think at the Daily Zeitgeist, we like to give people a balance of just enough news that they feel informed and just enough laughs that they're not overwhelmed and can have a decent day after listening. So guys, listen to the Daily Zeitgeist on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are given away for free.